We're in Mark chapter 7. So here we go. I'm going to read. It's going to be a longer. Well, I wouldn't say it's going to be longer. It's going to be a longer bit. We're going to read 30 verses, but I'm going to read them. Like the two little vignettes here, and I'm going to read one and unpack it. I'll read the other and unpack it, okay? Um, but it, it, it won't be. We're not going to be here for like hours or nothing like that. Remain calm. Don't panic. Okay, Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 1, and we're going to read ver- the first 23 verses. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thou disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah, that's Isaiah, uh, as prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth thy father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered. Many such things, and many such like things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he has entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man? It cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Uh, Okay, let's ask God's blessing and let's, like I say, munch this portion. We'll unpack it. We'll look and see what God has to say to us. Father, um, we'd get this right because it just seems like there's so many things that are a pitfall for tradition for us to get involved in, things that don't honor you. And Lord, you know, at the end of the day, we'd rather listen to what you say than what man says when those things are not, um, when those things are in conflict one with the other. 
So help us, Lord. Help us to see through what is man-made, what is soulish, what is spiritual, and truth. Lord, we, again, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have a vested interest in leading us into all truth. And we're willing. We're willing, Father. So um, speak to our, our hearts that are ready to receive your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Pharisees, scribes, come from Jerusalem. Fault finders, of course. And when you're looking for fault, guess what? You'll find it, whether it's there or not. Uh, when you look for fault with me, oh, you'll find it. <laughs> it's not, you don't have to scratch the surface very far, if that's what you're looking for. But we can see it with everybody. Why? Because we're sinners. And, you know, I, there's people who I love, people who I model my life after. And I look and I see something, and say, that wasn't quite right. Why? Because don't model your life after somebody in such and such a way. You, you have to be able to eat the fish and spit out the bones because... There's nobody, and it's not to say, you, you remember we were looking at a few weeks ago and Paul says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not to say, hey, don't look at me, don't get your eyes on me, get your eyes on Jesus. No, no, no. If you get your eyes on me, you should be able to say that to somebody because, hey, that's where I'm going. If you hit your wagon or where I'm going, we'll all get there together. You're supposed to be able to say that. None of us can say it perfect. You know, the scripture says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. No sense watering down the standard. It's a perfect standard. It's a perfect standard that I don't meet. And if truth be told, neither do you also. I hope that doesn't hurt your little feelings. I'm not trying to do that. But I think we all understand that. Uh, you can find fault if you're looking for fault. All that to say that. Well, they are, these guys are fault finders. Nobody does it like them. And even when it's not scripture, they'll find fault. When they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, and washing hands, they found fault. And by the way, if you eat something, wash your hands. <laughs> if you cough, wash your hands. I mean, look, uh, you know, it's not hard to convince somebody of that these days, right? Uh, we're all washing our hands like ways we've never had before. I, I uncovered a stamp from the Shrine Circus in 1984. I've been washing my hands so much, right? Because uh, we're, cause we're, uh, we're thinking about that now because of the, uh, you know, COVID and such. We've been kind of, and that's a good thing, okay? But it's not a... It's not a Bible verse. There's no Bible verse that says, wash your hands. Now, where it comes from is Leviticus, where they have a laver and the priest washed in it before they made a sacrifice. So therefore, you've got to wash cups and tables and all kinds of... Now, it's a good thing, okay, to wash, wash one's hands before they eat. I remember like on the job site, you know, a guy's got like grease and oil and dirt and grime and he eats his bologna sandwich and then his palms are all clean, but it's all at the back of his hands are all dirty. It's probably happened to me more times than I. And because like, especially out in the field, like where I'm working now, it's not, I'm not always able to, there's no running water. So you use that little sanitation stuff. Well, I use latex gloves, so I don't get all nerved up like I'm eating and defiled. It's all good, okay? But it's, it's a hard thing. You, can't always, you don't always have access to running water, so, but you still got to eat your lunch, right? So we do the best we can. Anyway, uh, all that said, you know, before you eat, it's a good thing to wash your hands. It's a good thing to wash your hands after you use the restroom, after you cough. It's a good thing to wash your hands. You know, we get that little goop there, that Purell or, or whatever it is, Germex. After we shake a lot of hands, we, we 
secretly squirt that, and we kind of don't want to, you know, offend anyone, but we understand germs, okay? But they find it, but they find fault. The Pharisees and all the Jews kept they washed their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Holding the what? The tradition of the elders. Now, is tradition a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends what the tradition is. And it depends if it takes precedent over the word of God. Okay? That's a, that can, it can be a very, very bad thing. And it can be an, an innocuous thing. Do you open your Christmas gifts on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve? I don't care. I, I, I don't care if you even have gifts. There's nothing in Scripture that you're profaning. And I'm not one of these people, you've got to do everything my way, because I'm the epitome of normalcy. And any deviation from the way I act, think, speak, or my preferences, that's deviant behavior, and we have to erase that immediately. I'm, I'm not that insecure. I know there are people, there are pastors like that. Hopefully not in the Calvary Chapel movement. But I've seen it. You know, this is it, and, and if you don't think it, it this way, we have to crush that and we have to remove that. Well, I'm only interested in changing your perception when the anti-biblical. Can I give you an example of that? Infant baptism, nowhere in Scripture. So I was debating that with somebody, and they went to Acts where Paul's in prison, Paul and Silas. Yeah, I think it's Paul and Silas. They're in the dungeon, and they're singing praises to God, and you know, then it's jailhouse rock time, the prison doors are open, the jailer, what can I do to be saved? And, uh, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, and he takes him home, he cleans his wounds, remember? And he baptized him and his household. So someone said to me, well, see, it, baptizing infants, it's right there in Scripture. I said, no, he had four teenage daughters. The youngest one was 12. And he said, where did you get that? I said, well, if you can make up stuff, I can make up stuff. I, you know, so that's a bad thing. It's a bad, it's a bad idea. Well, that's a tradition. That's what we've got. That's what our church does. I have a problem with that. What makes you think that's a, a, a scriptural thing to do? It's like washing your hands. Now, you know, at the end of this all, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. But if I wash my hands enough, whew, none of those things are going to apply to my heart. Or if I get somebody, when I get this little dress-looking-like thing, this christening gown they put me in, and they pull water on my head, and they say some words in Latin, all my sins are washed away. It's not scriptural. That's a problem. So Adam, why are you picking on Catholics? No, there's a lot of different denominations that do that. And it's not, I won't. Sometimes they say, hey, can you baptize my baby? Goof, that's child abuse. <laughs> Even if you put your hand over the mouth and nose and dunk them, they're still going to be screaming when they come out. I, no, no. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Why? Because it's in scripture. Uh, it's a, it, what it is, it's a tradition, and it doesn't find its, its home. It doesn't find its basis in the Word of God. Why don't, your, why don't your disciples hold the tradition of the elders? Even they know it's not scriptural. 
what happened is back along when Moses went to the mountain to receive the law of the Lord, the thought, the theology is he received the oral tradition as well. God whispered into his ear all the other things like washing of pots and tables and things like that that God wanted him to keep. Moses whispered it to Joshua who whispered it to the priests who whispered it to the um, uh, prophets who wrote it down. No problem there, right? Listen, I get like 12 guys up and I'll whisper something there and it'll go around and when it comes out, it wasn't the thing that I said. You've, you've played this game before, right? Uh, I don't have any trust in that. And then, of course, what it says is the Word of God isn't complete. And again, your tradition, your innocuous little, you know, we always drink eggnog on Christmas Eve or something like that. Great, I love eggnog. I, I don't have, but when it is a clear that's not what Scripture says. That's not what Scripture teaches. Man, it teaches the opposite. I'm going with what Scripture says. And this is the problem. And so he gives them an example. He says, the Pharisees describes that why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands. It's verse 5. He answered and said unto them, Yeah, Isaiah prophesied to you hypocrites. Now, he's not winning friends and influencing people here on purpose. On purpose. He's not trying to restore a warm fuzzy. He's saying, well, he's kind of a little bit harsh. I think it's called tough love. I, you know, I, I shouldn't even say tough love. Love sometimes is tough. I never want to hurt somebody. When somebody asks me a question or somebody, I call somebody out, I, I see sin in their life and I have to mention it. You know, this is what I see and it's wrong and this is what Scripture says. I don't know how to... I lovingly, with my loving old pastor, I try to do that. I don't know, but it always comes across harsh. I come across harsh sometimes when I'm, I'm not even trying to at all. You know, when I'm just... Now, you married guys, maybe this happened to you once, I don't know. But have you said something and your wife was very upset with what you said? And you're mystified. You're like, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. And they... There's a little bit of a gap in what, how you meant something, how it was received. It happens with married couples. I, or maybe just my, my marriage, okay? Maybe it happened once or twice. But I'm not trying to make her the bad guy. It happens the other way, too. It happens with friends. It happens with relationships. It happens. I tell you what, I think a phone call is better than a text. I think a text is better than uh, email. I mean, uh, a phone call is better than email or text. Sometimes we, we read that and we wonder what they meant. We don't have any tone. We don't have any facial expressions. We don't have any body language. And Satan's right there helping you interpret what they, they meant, supposedly. Even when we do it face-to-face, -face, it doesn't always come out right, right? Um, so, uh, I don't even, and so he called them hypocrites, and it's, it's, and, but there's a purpose to it. And by the way, that's in Isaiah chapter 29. We should go there because I think it's very important. He's referring to something that they would know the whole of, okay? Uh, but we don't know it, perhaps, but we'll read it, okay? 29, verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, their heart 
they, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Oh my goodness. I hope that's not true of us ever. Someone loves you. I hope that's not true of us ever. We learn the lingo. We mouth the words. They don't mean anything to us. One time it did, but now it's, our hearts are far from that. And we're just going through the motions. I hope that. That's called backsliding. I hope that's not true of you ever. Uh, that's the place to repent from. Lord, I am empty inside. I am going through the motions. I am not legit. I'm not the real deal. You've got to show up right now and save me from that. That's a, that's a thing that we really have to return, return from, or re, uh, repent from. Uh, their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? <laughs> oh, that's, that's laughable. Surely your turnings of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he hath no understanding? It is not yet a a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall seek out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among them shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel." For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. Would they know this passage? Yes. And he's alluding to this, and he's saying something to them. Uh, that a man an offender for a word, and lay, uh, that, that make a man an offender for a word and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. And they go, and it goes on and on. Um, well, let's finish off, because we're close to the end of the chapter. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not, not, shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of my hands in the midst of them, they shall... Uh, sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. So there's a, there's a judgment followed by a blessing. And, it's, and if those of you who know, it's that in, in that day, it's the end times. So he's referring to what's going to happen. And that it's a fearful thing. And they, like I say, they would be aware of this. So he alludes to Isaiah and he says, your lips say yea, yea and, but your heart's far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Woe to us if that should ever happen. Well, it's extra stuff, Adam. It's like, okay, we have the law, and now we've built a fence around it to keep the law in. Surely that's not a bad thing. Well, surely it is. We can't subtract from God's word uh, I can give you a lot of verses and surely we can't add to God's word the Pharisees are adders the the Sadducees are subtractors which one would you rather be well is there 
a possibility I could walk right in the middle of the right road and either add or subtract? Yeah, that's what we're shooting for all the time. And it's, it's imperative that we maintain this. It's imperative. There's no uh, other options. We don't want to be in vain teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So people, you can challenge me all the time. Where'd you find that in Scripture? If I don't have a basis for it, we have to question that. Is this, is this a legitimate thing or not? For laying aside the commandment of God. Now, we never want to be accused of laying aside the commandment of God. You hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things you do. And he gives an example. Full well, verse 9, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. This is the problem with tradition. It has a tendency to take over. And we can set the Word of God aside to keep our tradition. God forbid that should ever happen. Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoso curses father or mother should let him die the death. Pretty straightforward, right? It's the fifth commandment. It says you'll live long and prosper if you do this, if you take care of mom and dad. That's what it means when it says honor. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father and mother, is Corbin, that is say a gift, but so thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Now, this needs a little teaching. It's not very straightforward. Uh, There's a tradition. Okay, mom, dad, I know that I'm supposed to take care of you. You wiped my nose and, uh, you know, dressed me and carried me about when I couldn't go by myself. You fed me. You kept me from killing myself when I was a little kid. Uh, Now you need some help. Guess what? Sorry. Can't do. No can do. I know I've got a lot of money, but I've taken this money that I would have used to help you out, and I've dedicated it to the Lord. It's a gift that I've given to God. Sorry. You know, the temple's important, Mom, Dad. The priesthood's important. Love to help you out. Can't. Do you worship a God who speaks out of both sides of his mouth? He's more important. What's more important is what you can give to God than taking care of your parents. Right? So they have this tradition that the Pharisees, the scribes, the the priests are enforcing because guess what? Money coming into the coffers. And long and short, we don't care about your parents. So they've taken this tradition and they've made it more important than the fifth commandment. Can you see how awful that is? Jesus could. And you think anyone with any real heart could see that. And he calls them out on it. And he calls them hypocrites. By the way, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I could, you know, church, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. I mean, I know you're very sincere, but I, I don't always do what I tell us that we're supposed to do. This is hypocrisy. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. Sick people go to a hospital. I, 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 the hypocrites go to a church. Yeah, I, at least God can cure me. At least he can work on me. At least he can fix what's ailing me. What about all the hypocrisy outside the church? And I can only give you about a thousand examples, but you can find them yourself. I mean, we don't even have to talk about that. That's not, uh, that's not a, like a thing. Oh, hypocrites go to church. Yeah, yeah duh. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and if I just called you a hypocrite, well, wear it. I'm one. I mean, we don't want to be, but he, call, he uses this. 
People say it's like they, they discovered something. No, Jesus called out hypocrites. Jesus doesn't like hypocrisy. He called them actors. The word hypocrites, it means actors on a stage. It's like you, you see back in Greek drama, the big mask, the happy mask, the sad mask. It's they have this mask. They're not really happy. They're not really sad. They're actors acting a part. And he called them on it. He coined a phrase in a way it's never been used before. You guys are like, you know, you're like actors. You're not like for real. You're like acting a part. And again, he wasn't trying to bless them. Again, this was like, hey, wake up. You've got to repent, and you've got to repent now. And if you find hypocrisy in your life, again, repent. Lord, I, I, I see that I'm not the person I say I am. Work this out in me. Ferret out all this hypocrisy. I want to be the real deal. Will he answer that prayer? Only always. You, you understand that? Only always. It might not be instantaneous. It might be a process. But he wants to bring about Christ-likeness in us more than we do. But let's keep moving. Uh, yeah, Mom, Dad, I'd like to help you out. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered. And many such like things you do. Know, I can give you a lot of examples, but this is an obvious one, Jesus says. When he called all the people together, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. Listen up, guys. This is important. There's nothing from without a man. So I don't wash my hand. There's nothing that's going to get in me with my unwashed hands that's going to defile me. Will I still get sick from eating with unwashed hands? Yeah, possibly. You know, that's not what it's saying here. Um, but defiling. Okay, traditional uncleanness. Uh, no, Levitical uncleanness, I should say. Uh, it, it, that doesn't come from not washing your hands. There's nothing from without a man that enter into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile a man. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he has that, that typical phrase, if you got an ear for this, go ahead and listen to what I'm saying. When he's entered in the house and the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. <laughs> There's no parable. There's no parable here. It's straightforward teaching. There's no parable. A man went forth to sow. There's nothing here. Uh, you know, a man had two sons, and one of them said, give me the head. No, it's not a parable. It's straightforward. Anything that enters you from the outside can't defile you. It's not going to make you ceremonially unclean. There's no power. He's saying, are you so without understanding also? He's saying, boy, he's having a bad hair day. He's getting harsh with everybody. No, he's calling them out. You should understand this by now. And you can almost understand. Look, Peter, he doesn't get this yet. You remember in uh, Acts 10, Cornelius, he, Cornelius comes and calls him to come preach to his, at his house. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. And there's the sheet and all the manner of four-footed beasts. And God says, arise and eat. Remember he said, not so, Lord? By the way, that's not a phrase that goes together. Not so and Lord. I mean, think it all the way through. Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. What he's saying is, I've always kept a kosher diet. This didn't take with, with, with Peter. I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. I'd, I'd never eat bacon wrapped in scallops or none of that stuff. I ain't eating any of that stuff, he's saying. Uh, no, there's no parable, he's saying. Are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing 
from without entereth into him, it cannot defile him, it enters not into his heart. That's the whole thing. It doesn't enter into his being, his, his, his mind, his emotions, his will. It enters into his belly and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. Biology 101. For from within, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. Now I'm supposed to explain each one of these things in, at length. I don't want to. It's gross and vulgar. Bad things. A lot of them are sexual. Some of them are just like pride, uh, blasphemy. You know, you, you know what blasphemy is. You know what pride is. You know what fo- folly is, foolishness. Um, if this doesn't have your particular brand of sin, you know, he expands on these lists other places. This is ugly. This is horrible. I ain't drinking from this fountain. Okay, you want to talk about things that enter in? This is nasty with a side order of nasty. But it comes from within. It doesn't come from you eating with unwashed. Listen, you wash your hands till the cows come home. You're still getting up a right old Pharisee finding fault with Jesus Christ. They wash everything, and they want to kill Jesus. It didn't work for them. You, you see, it, it's a very important teaching. We let tradition in. And the Word of God very often goes away. I, you know, I was brought up Catholic. It's easy for me to remember things like, where does it, when the Bible says you can't eat meat on Friday. Well, that's a good thing because that's when Jesus died. That's debatable. But, but let's put that aside for now. So you can't eat meat? I don't know. And it was, I was okay with that. Fish on Friday is wonderful. Uh, you know, you said Mrs. Swanson. Is that the one or something like that? Uh, I, I, no, Mrs. Fields. That's a fish stick one. Okay. She hardly ever cooked up like regular like salmon steaks or nothing like that. We were kind of more low economic, so it was, it was fish sticks. But they're wonderful. I love them. You know, that's good. But, you know, now I'm, now I, you know, I, I've taken my parents out to eat on Friday night for their anniversary or something like that. One, they go to the fish place, <laughs> and they always order fish, which is fine, which is fine. But where do you, you know, if I get a burger and something to look down on like I'm doing some sort of abominable thing, they still do that. That's not like a thing anymore in Catholicism. It is in their thinking, because they're like old, traditional, uh, you know, the old understanding of Catholicism. Um, so you don't eat meat on Friday. Does that make you a holier person? No. Make you a less holy person? No. But the problem is, when we take something to ourselves that not everyone else is doing, is a tendency to be judgmental. Well, I've put aside meat on Friday. Why can't you? What's your problem? And we start judging one another. And that's, that's Phariseeism. That's what it is. It's an ugly thing. Um... So you can't put anything into your body. It's not going to defile you. Now, I didn't say all foods are healthy and just go for it, whatever. (laughs) Ask the blessing, you're all set. That's kind of how I feel, by the way, but I'm not saying that. Um, And what I tell you is this. So we're out for uh, ice cream with some friends. And so we're at uh, McDonald's and we all get ice cream Sunday. And the pastor's wife says, aren't you going to ask the blessing? 
And I said, uh, well, it's your idea. You go ahead. And so she prayed, Lord, bless this food that may nourish and strengthen us. Nourish and st- Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's a miracle right there. You know, your, your Sunday is going to, like, you're going to be, like, energetic, and you're going to be muscles, and you're going to be, you know, it's going to cure your gout and your insomnia and your nourish and strengthen us. Because I, I always, like, when I'm, like, ready to consume ice cream, I pray, Lord, can I not have a heart attack right now? And I call it good, you know. I, I, I figure that's, a, but it's, it's a nourishing and strengthening thing. Wow. And I'm not saying that ice cream is ever going to be nourishing. Eat it. God bless you. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a health uh, guru or, uh, uh, you know, a, a vitamin Nazi. I'm not like that. You know that, okay? And I eat a lot of things that I probably shouldn't be eating at my advanced age of 62. My doctor saw some of the things I was eating. He would not be pleased. He wants me to cut back on caffeine. I, I just get another doctor. I, I don't just, it's easy enough for me. Uh, so there's, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting you be like me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is, you and God work out your diet and stuff like this. I don't think he's saying, you know, you can eat erasers and, you know, small toys and, and it's all good. I don't think that's what he's saying. Ask the blessing, eat in faith, and I think, there you go. And what you end up eating and not eating, you and God can work that out. Uh, but he's saying from out, uh, from inside out comes all these defiling things. And that's where people are defiled. And we can see it. I mean, it's so, so obvious we hardly even need to comment on it. Now, there's a short part here. Uh, from thence he arose and went to the uh, borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yea, yea, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Now this is a problem with some people, that Jesus called this lady a dog. I, I, it probably was to me the first time I read it. This Jesus whom I loved, all of a sudden is like, he's kind of acting kind of icky, isn't he? Hey, leave me alone. Uh, I've come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, it's not right that I should take the children's food and give it to dogs. Did he just call her a dog? Wait, what's going on here? At first blush, this seems like Jesus is being very ungracious. Well, let's blush again because Jesus is never, ever ungracious, and you can be sure of that. Uh, He went to Tyre and Sidon. He's not in Israel proper. He's in what's today Lebanon. Does Jesus cross borders? Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, he, he crossed the border. I, I was like all very religious, not doing a real good job, but, but believing in it. And like if you tried to make God pleased with you by keeping rules, that probably blew up in your face like it blew up in mine. 
But he crossed over to the place I was, a sinner, and, and found me and restored me into fellowship with God, made me a new creation, brought me into fellowship with God is a better way to say it. He crossed his border still. I'm so happy about that because I thought he was like the God of religion. I have to do like saint things. I have to, you know, go without food or talking or, you know, be a monk in a monastery. And, and if I was very austere for a very long time, my whole life, maybe, just maybe, He'd be okay with me. <laughs> I had a very slim, slim chance of any good thing happening in my life with those thoughts. And then I was just a typical idiot, just living life like an idiot, selfish and trying to please God. I wanted to please God. It just, the, the wherewithal inside of me to please Him wasn't there. There was no new heart. There was no new creation. I've always believed in God, and I'm, he's pretty, I'm sure he's there, and he's pretty ticked off at me because he knows I'm a moron and I'm a selfish jerk and I'm a sinner. He didn't love me. I, I didn't want him to consume me in an instant. God of religion, I thought. No, he, he, crossed, he crossed his borders. I just want to let you know that in case you're thinking like you're trying to earn his favor by acting good. We even do that as Christians. Get rid of that idea. He loves you. He could not love you anymore. Quite independent of how you act. So I'm just going to throw caution to wind, send up a storm, and he's going to love me? Yes, but choose to sin, choose to suffer. There's a payment with sin that you don't really want to pay. He already paid for it. Don't don't live that way. It's not a benefit. And besides, he gives us the strength to follow him. What kind of savior doesn't save? The God of many Christians. Oh, he's, he's my God. He's my savior. But I still can't beat the alcohol. I still can't beat the drugs. And I'm fornicating all the time. And I'm living with this girl. And, and yeah, I know. But God's my savior. What, what did he save you from? What did he save you to? There's no change, there's no new creation. He saved you? Really? I, I know Christians who smoke cigarettes. Is, is there a Bible verse, can't smoke cigarettes? No, but most people would give them up if they could. You tell me a Christian can't give up cigarettes? This little three-inch piece of nicotine is impervious to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you serious? Or whatever it is. We... Well, I, I just can't, I just can't. I, I know nothing of that. So Adam, you're perfect. No, I'm a work in progress to be sure. But I never say, but I never say, I wish I could just, and God can't, and I'm just, and I'm, and I'm happy or settled with sin in my life. That's a really bad place to be. He crosses borders and he's a savior. So he goes to Tyre and Sidon. I think they're at that vacation that he's been promising right along. He's out of Israel proper. A certain woman who's, uh, oh, he doesn't want to be, know where anyone, he, he entered a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. So they're renting a property. It's on the Mediterranean, Tyre and Sidon. And I think it's that vacation he's been promising the boys. He's trying to hide, but he could not be hid. Wink, wink. 
If Jesus wants to hide, do you think he can hide? Yeah. Remember they're trying to throw him off the cliff there in his hometown? And he walked through the midst of them. Unhassled. Because he can do that when he wants to do that. Why can't he stay hid? Because there's a woman that he loves dearly who has a desperate need. He won't stay hid from you. He he's always hearkens to the cry of his children. Have you known that to be true? I hope you do. He's, he's, he, he won't stay hid from us. Sometimes we don't sense his presence. And where is he when we don't sense his presence? He's right there with us, withholding from us a sense of his presence. Why? It, 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 it furthers his goal when we walk by faith. We don't walk by Holy Ghost goosebumps. So sometimes he withholds a sense of his presence, but he never withholds his presence. Never, ever. He, he can't be hid from you. He can't be hid from me if we have faith. For a certain woman's young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of it, and came and fell at his feet. Everyone's fallen at his feet. I, I get it. The woman was a Greek. She's not a Gentile. Uh, she's not a, 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 a Jewish. She's a Gentile. Is God the God of Gentiles also? Yes, but no, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's an order of this that God set in motion. And Jesus isn't changing the order. There's just a need, and he's going to take care of the need. And apparently he's got permission from his Father. It's all good, okay? It's not like, you know, God, you don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to do things my own way. Never. Jesus isn't like that at all. Uh, on schedule from that day is this meeting with a Syrophoenician woman. She's a Greek. That means non-Jew. She's a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. What are Syrophoenicians famous for? Astate worship. Astaroth. Later it comes Diana of the Ephesians. You remember that? It's very sexual. It's very deviant. And it's really ungodly worship. Is she involved in this? Most probably. Is that how she has a, a young daughter who's got a demon? What doors did she open? I remember teaching this. We were over at uh, Champions that time, and a lady came, and she was looking for a church that used to meet there, and she hadn't been there for a long time. And so she came in, and I was teaching on this, and on what door did this lady open that her daughter's and such, and she's like right here, and she's weeping, 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 weeping. And I thought, like, that's, you know, obviously God brought her here to hear this word and to, to receive healing. And I, I, I don't know what ever happened. Never saw her again. Kind of interesting. But that's fine. I always leave those things with the Lord, and he'll, he'll work them out, right? What can you do that will affect your children that much? Hey, listen, hey, listen, hey, listen, everything, everything. More is, more is caught than taught. Uh, uh, who is it? Uh, I'm trying to think of that. Uh, he's kind of a comedian, older guy. Uh, he wrote books like The Jesus Style. Yeah. Suspender guy. Gail Irwin. He's, thank you. He used to say like... Uh, you know, I try to teach my kids uh, table manners, but they eat like me. And, I, it's always a, and we always get a chuckle out of that. But there's a lot of truth to that. You know, my parents smoked, and I didn't, thank God. Some of my brothers and sisters did. But, you know, they would wave a cigarette, and I, don't you do what I do, you do what I say. 
How lame is that? Uh, Mom gave up smoking, okay? Uh, And Dad finally did. He had a major coronary, and uh, he almost died. And they brought in the priest, gave him last rites, and the doctor took those cancer sticks away and said, "Uh, if you make it through the night, you won't be needing these anymore. Your dad gave up smoking when Adam was born. When Mola's son was born, he just said, I'd just rather soon be around. He just told me, I always honored him for that. I always thought that was a really class thing to do. He said he wanted to, and he, he, he's not a spiritual man led by the Spirit of God. He just said, nah, they don't fit into my future because he understood if grandpa was smoking, the kid's chance of smoking would be very, listen, everything we do, kids want to be just like us. The, woe to the dad who says, you know, you can be a really good guy and you don't need spiritual thing. You don't need Jesus. You can just, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to do this. You can just live like I am. Really good guy. You are a good guy and your kids see that. He sees you're hardworking, that you love your uh, wife, that you love your your children and and you don't need Jesus Christ. And you just kind of told him, yeah, go to hell. You don't need any of those spiritual things. You be a good person. How, how does one reconcile that? I don't understand. That's crazy. I, I what can we do that would influence a child's life? Everything. What did this lady do that opened up a door where a demon is? Because, you know, when you bring your children home from the hospital, they don't have, they're not demon-possessed. They're not. Something happens. There was this daughter involved in some sort of sexual activity, some young, because this, this is the worship that it was involved here. And unthinkable. I don't want to take your mind in that direction. Whatever happened, this lady, I think she failed in her job as a mom. Now she's reaching out. Now she's desperate. That's good. I messed up. Now I just I made my bed. I got to lie in it. No, we have a we have a an advocate. We have somebody who can rescue us. We have a savior. He saves. Yes, you broke it. Yes, I broke it. And yes, he can fix it. And he doesn't say. Messed up, didn't you? You'll figure it out. Doesn't I don't care. He's not like that. She goes to him. She's desperate. She's at his feet. And he says to her, let the children first be filled. I got a plan. God's called me on a, a schedule. There's a timetable involved here. The children. He said uh, in Matthew, I haven't come but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oh, by the way, that excludes you. It's not right that I should take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, you're a dog lover. Great. Okay? Great. So you take your children's food and you put it in Fido's dog dish and your children go without, but Fido is all filled. And you do that all the time, right? No, Adam, but there's enough to go around. But if there's only... You don't take the children's food and give it to the dog unless the children are finished with it, right? That's what we do. That's how we do, okay? And that's perfectly acceptable. If you've got precedence, your dog over your children, you got, you're screwed up. You, you, have, you have real severe problems, okay? That's all there is to it. Well, my, my puppy's just like my children. Yeah, I know, that's... A little bit weird too, but that's fine. That's fine. If you're very conscientious, you love your dog, I don't care. That's a good, that's fine. I, I understand how that happens. We've had pets that have come into our lives and we care for them dearly. 
I understand. But kids are kids, pets are pets. If one of them been working out, you know, the kids develop this real severe allergy to the cat. The cat's going away, the kid's not. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? Now, if you think I'm crazy or a dog hater or a cat hater, I'm, I'm none of those things. It's, it's important that the children be filled. The dogs will... He said, Adam, I don't care how you, you color this. He just called her a dog. And dog is a really pejorative term. If I called you a dog, you wouldn't like it. Well, he didn't exactly call her a dog. And it is a pejorative term. They have no swears in Hebrew. Remember that. I told you that before. So when David stands before Saul and say, why are you chasing like a dead dog like me? He's put himself in a very deprecating, a, a self, a deplorable place like What's up with this? I'm just a, I'm a dead dog. You're the king of Israel. Why are you chasing after me? Um, that's a, we understand when he, say, when he calls himself a dog. Um, when you call somebody a dog in that culture, in this culture, you're not generally blessing them. Now, if you're saying, oh, this person is faithful, this old hound dog, you're, you're talking about their faithfulness. I think you're talking about a good thing. But all things being equal, if I called you a dog, I don't think you'd like it. He doesn't call her a dog. He called her a puppy, canarian. It means small dog, puppy. And his word for wild dog, like they go through and they eat dead things and they're just unclean and just nasty <laughs> animals. And then there's a dog. They have pets like we have pets. And and he said and he called her a little puppy. Now I gotta I gotta tell you I wasn't there, but I know Jesus somewhat. And I think the reason he called her this is to elicit the response that he got. Now, remember the, I told you this before. You're a director and you're shooting the movie about Jesus. So the actor who plays Jesus comes to you and says, I'm calling this lady a dog. What's my take here anyway? What you say may or may not give me any insight to the life, the activity of Jesus Christ. It probably tells me more about you. But because we're talking about this, let me give you my take. Director Adam. The actor comes, the Jesus actor, and he says, what am I supposed to do here? And I says, you give her a wink and a smile. I don't know if a wink is a, good, is a thing in that culture. It is in our culture. You ever needle somebody, good-natured, you're poking them, and you, you kind of give them one of these, you know, like, you, you get it, right? You're, you're softening. You don't really mean... What you're saying might be a mean thing, but you're not mean, and you're not saying a mean thing. You're saying a joke. And, and sometimes when you do that right, it's almost like a hug. You're, you're saying to somebody that you're the opposite of this. I think it's a weak wink and a smile, I th or our Jewish version of it. I think he's saying like, hey, right, I, you know, I'm come but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I can't take these holy things. I've got to take care of the children. I can't take care of a puppy. What does she say? That's true. I understand. Listen, I'm not asking for the children's food. They dribble stuff, falls down. All I want is crumbs. And I think she's, he said this entirely to elicit that response. Why do you think that? Because he says things in my life that elicit the response that he's looking for. He's governing the whole thing. He's trying to get me to a place where I'm more and more like Jesus Christ all the time. And he says things to me. He, he points out scripture to me. He speaks to my heart, trying to get me to the place that he wants me to be. Doesn't he do that to you? I mean, he has to. You sit quietly and you listen and you read the word and you pray and you 
It's, a, it's about relationship. Doesn't he relate to you? Somebody nod or say amen or something. It can't be just true of just me. She answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table, the puppies, they eat the children's crumbs. She just went with the whole thing, little, because he, he called her a little dog or a puppy. And she said, yeah, Lord, the little dogs under the table eat the little children's little crumbs. She just went crazy with little. She got that. She totally got it. Okay, and that's what it says. I know it doesn't show up in the English, but if you check it in the Greek, that's what you'll find it's saying. I think she totally got it. She got the wink and the smile. She got that. He didn't call her a dog. Not like you and I. Got, Get out of here, you filthy animal. Go drink out of the toilet. What do you think you are? I got, I got children to take care of. You think I'm going to mess with you? Do, you? do you really think Jesus is like that? Do you really, really think he's... Because No, I don't think so. I think he... Hey, you guys are dogs. Compared, I mean, because that's what they called them, right? And he's like, yeah, dogs. I, I, in my own thinking, I think that's exactly what happened. And he said unto her, for this saying, go thy way. He gives her what she wants. She's got great faith, and he rewards the faith. Like he'll reward your faith, like he'll reward my faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. She, he, is he, she easily deterred? No. Listen, I'm desperate. I got a daughter who's demon-possessed. I can't take no for an answer here. This is, this is, this is serious, serious stuff. What do you do when you... I got a child demon-possessed. Lord, I can't... I, I, there's nowhere else I can go. I, I can't take no for an answer. It's not, I'm sorry, that's not going to work out for me. What do you do? You keep asking, you keep asking, you keep asking, and you keep asking. Do you have another? Because if you get something better, you ought to share it with me. Because I've been praying for some people for a lot of years now. And I'm just going to keep, keep, keeping because I don't have anything better to do. Why doesn't he just heal them, bring them to himself? I don't know. I really don't. I know people here, we've been praying for people for decades. Some of us have people in our life we've been praying for decades. Yeah, you know. What are you going to do? I don't know. Keep praying. It takes them a long time to overcome the reticence in their, in their heart. Remember that person who you love, God loves them more. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. Because all the time going by, where they're not walking with the Lord, it's very, very sad. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm just going to keep on praying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... Any rewards for this saying, go thy way, the devil's gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. So now she sees her little girl again. No devil. Because Jesus is awesome. <sighs> okay, we'll end there. We'll bring that next part up next week. And uh, let's stand. I'll give you the benediction. We'll leave.
Our, uh, we're not going to sing any more carols. We did that. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. It's... Lord, uh, make this word come alive in our lives. We would uh, see you move um, because of our prayer. And Lord, we're in a desperate, all of us in a desperate situation where there's somebody who we love is in a really bad situation and we can't take no for an answer. And Lord, help us to push aside the traditions of men and the silly things. Lord, we want to follow You wholly with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole soul, with our whole strength. And may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make His face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.